Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. God, I just, I just ask you to be here. I ask you to help me speak to what you want me to speak, um, settle my nerves, settle all that kind of stuff that's going on in my brain, and just speak through me the words that you have prepared for me to speak today, God. I just thank you for the opportunity to do this, and I thank you that you're here. Amen. So we've been going through um, worship. It's a lifestyle. And... Um, it's been kind of fun. I've enjoyed Chris's last, um, his three messages on it, honestly, all three of them, and they've been great. If you haven't heard them, go online and listen to them. They actually all kind of like keep building on each other, and I, hopefully I build on it too here. Mine is titled, What's Your Victory? It's kind of a concept of faith and obedience as a lifestyle in worship. Faith and obedience. So first, I really feel like we need to kind of define worship. That's a tough one. When I like, I am, let me just kind of spell it out here. When I like to preach, I typically hate going into Greek and Hebrew definitions. It is not my forte. It is not something that I'm good at. It's not something that I like diving into. But today I'm going to. And the other reason why I don't like to dive into them is I cannot pronounce them for the lick of me. It's like, what? I can barely pronounce English, and you want me to do some Greek and Hebrew too? It's like, ugh, forget it. But we're going to try. So the first word is a, is a, a Hebrew word from the Old Testament, shachach. Shachach. See, I knew I'd screw it up, so... Whatever, S-H-A-C-H-A-H, right? It's mostly found in the Old Testament, and it's mostly what is used to define worship, to bow down, to lay prostrate, like before a king or a superior in homage. That's what it means. In Greek, the word is proskunio. I butchered that one even worse, right? Right, Chris? That's horrible, huh? Great. It's great. It's the greatest pronunciation of Greek ever. <laughs> That's a horrible impersonation of Orange Man, but you know. Um, to kneel down or lay prostate, to publicly show respect or show submission. So we kind of have a theme here about worship, right? I mean, lay down, bow down, submission, you know, homage. It's It's Accepting that the person that you're worshiping is greater, better than you. Right? Most of our songs, even all the songs that we play today, resemble that fact. Right? Everything that we worship today. And if, there, if a song doesn't resemble that, we probably shouldn't be worshiping to it. God is greater and better than us. We don't kneel, we don't bow down, we don't do that kind of stuff. Mainly I don't because I probably wouldn't be able to get back up after I did. 
Um, but we don't do that, but we do other things to show that submission. We raise our hands. We close our eyes, we soak in, we dive in, and we just declare it with our mouths, with our minds, with our hearts. God, you're better than me. Your ways are better than my ways. So if that's the, the worship that we are anticipating, that we're desiring, then where does faith fly into that? It's hard for me to preach a message on faith without going to Hebrews 11. It's just, I tried, I tried to go elsewhere, and I just, I just couldn't. I had to go to Hebrews 11. A, especially if I'm trying to define what faith is, it's kind of hard to go anywhere else. So Hebrews 11, 1, what does it say? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The writer of Hebrews is defining faith for us right here. Now faith is, right? He's defining it. Is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now when I, when I looked at this scripture, this passage, and I, I, I tend to want to go to different translations, you know, when you're studying something, you kind of like to do that just so that you have a full grasp. Every time I went to a different translation, the word assurance seemed to be different. NIV, confidence. King James, substance. ASV and ESV, assurance. The lexicon, realization. So when, I, when I'm seeing that and I'm seeing everything using a kind of a different word, then I had to, I had to, I had to go and figure out what's the Greek word that they're using there. What is the Greek word that they're using there? Because there's something going on here. Well, lo and behold, this is what I have to do. I have to pronounce another word. <laughs> I got this one. This one is the worst one of them all, honestly. I, I have no idea. Can you put it up there? Let's see if I can butcher this one. Hupasasisusisis. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Hugh Pasastias. Here's the definition from the Strongs. To place or set under. Hmm, I didn't see that in any of the, uh, any of the um, definitions or the way the, any of the translation used that. To place or set under. In general, that which lies underneath the apparent, hence, reality, essence, substance, that which is the basis of something, hence assurance, the guarantee, confidence. Ooh, that's a loaded, that's a loaded word right there. I think whoever wrote Hebrews, God inspired him to use that word right there to define faith. Because it means a lot more in the Greek than it sure does assurance. Confidence. I mean, those are powerful words in themselves, but when you take this word to place under the foundation, faith is the foundation, the assurance, the evidence, the reality, the guarantee, the confidence, and things hoped for. It's quite a definition there. It's quite a definition of faith. 
Faith is the foundation. See, I can't go anywhere unless I just hammer this home one more time. Faith is the foundation that I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross, raised from the dead, so that I could have a relationship with Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He bridged the gap so that I can live this world out in a relationship with him, and then I'm confident I get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. It is the foundation that I get to live in. Without that, without that, I don't know how I'd live as a Christian. If I didn't have that foundation to go back to, no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what I throw at myself, if I wasn't able to step back and get back on that foundation and go, Jesus, you're the reason. If I didn't have that foundation, I tell you, Christianity would just be a show. We'd be like the rest of the religions, just trying to make ends meet, trying to fool people into something, trying to trick them into something. Thank God we have that foundation of faith. Thank God that we have something different. We believe in something different than all the other religions. We believe an everlasting God. Not just an everlasting God, but a God that came and paid the price for our sin, our separation, so that we can be unified with him again. I could almost quit there. But I'm not going to. You got another 50 minutes of me. I'm kidding. (laughs) Matt's like, you better be kidding me. I got a barbecue waiting for me. (laughs) Let's read Hebrews 2 through 16 together. Let's continue on in that thread. Sorry, I forgot my Bible, so I'm waiting for them to put it up on the screen so I can read it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which, was, through which he was committed as righteousness. God commended him by accepting his gift, and through faith, his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Next. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could, so that he should not see death, and he was found not, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he was condemned the world and became on an heir of the righteousness that, came, that comes by faith. And by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in, a, in the land of promise as, in a, as a foreigner land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. 
By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, therefore, from one man in him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who seek thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from, from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. It's a little long, but that's okay. Um, Can you go back to 14 and just leave it up there? I might reread that in a little bit. Okay. So... Here they are, all these men of faith, right? Described them all. And it gets to this one scripture here that talks about these people did this. And if people who speak this way thus make it clear that they are seeking a homage or a homeland. He's talking about a promise that was put out there to these people. And I believe it's a promise of Jesus, honestly promise that was put out before these people that they didn't even get to enter into, yet we are into it. We get that promise of Jesus, and they just saw it from afar. People who think that way, look at it that way, are seeking something different, right? So, Let's, let's look at it this way. Let's look at examples, and I probably can explain it better if I just look at some of these examples. Abel, first example given. Okay, so now think about yourself if you were a farmer or a rancher, and you were raising up cows, and Abel was a sheep farmer, but you're raising up cows, and you had one out of the ten cows that was nice and fat. You're looking at that thing going, mm, the brisket on that boy is going to be yummy. Right? You're looking at it going, man, that thing's going to have some good meat. I know, you guys are vegan. We could talk about Cain, but he just, you know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. They're all shaking their heads. I mean, nope, I wouldn't eat that. <laughs> it's Okay. So he's, he's a rancher, and he's got one that is really good looking. It's going to produce great substance for his family. And if you're on a farmer's side of it, when you like plant some, some uh, berries or you plant some grain or something, and you have those that are coming up and they're just like getting full, how many of us are going to look at that strawberry bush and go, Oh, man, those are looking so good. Okay, I'm going to pluck off these first 10, and I'm just going to go give them to God. No, we pluck off the first 10, and we shove them right in our face. I know that's how I would be. Those first 10 are coming off the vine and going right in my gullet. No. 
the first fruits. We don't have a concept of that first fruit. We take out two $100 bills and we go, this one's nice and crisp and clean. This one's crumply. I'm going to give the crisp and clean one to God. I'll keep the crumply one. They spin the same. It doesn't matter if it's crisp or clean or crumply. They spin the same. God's asking for the first fruits. It's hard for us to even comprehend that idea because we don't live like that. It's really hard when we like get our paycheck. Yeah, it's easy to just chuck off the first 10% off of there and give it to God. But it ain't the best 10%. It's just 10%. See, what Abel did was different. He set himself apart, not by giving just some of it back to God. He gave the best of what was given to him back to God. Noah, okay, I don't get this, right? I've, I understand that the world was not the same back in Noah's day, but they had no idea what Noah was building. Noah was constructing something huge and massive that all these animals were going to go into, and it was going to do what? They had no idea about an ark, a big ship like that. They were like, you're nuts. You're cuckoo caca. You need to have too many Fruit Loops in your breakfast. We don't understand what you're doing. I don't even, I can't even, I was trying to come up with like a sample of that. And every sample I come up with, it's like it's not as strange as what Noah was doing. It'd be like Pete coming up to me and saying, I'm going to build a time machine. I look at Pete and go, that guy's smart enough to do it. (laughs) That's not wackadoodle. I bet he could do it. I mean, like, I'd be scratching my head going, I don't know how, I don't understand. But if that's what God set him to do, I'd be like, okay, God chose the right person for the job. Somebody come to you and say, I'm going to build a spaceship and I'm going to go up to the stars. Well, the guy from Tesla's doing that. That's, that's not surprising to me. Back in the day, oh, we're all going to be carrying around small computers in our back pocket. Wow, that's not surprising. I don't know what it would look like to compare Noah to anything today, but I do know it was different. God asked him to do something different, completely off the wall different. Abraham. Abraham was in a city with established farmlands, houses, and God said, I want you to go. I want you to go to this land. I'm not even really going to tell you where it is. I just want you to go, and eventually I'll tell you where it is, and eventually I'll like, you know, hook you up on it. It's, but it's going to be great. And he goes, and he has a lot of problems on the way. And then he finally gets there, and he's living in tents. And he's happy. And he's content with it. He's doing something different. It wasn't the norm. It was different. Sarah. Can we say enough about Sarah? Uh, God wants me to have a kid. Okay, great. That's awesome. I'm so excited. I'm 52 years old. I I could probably manage that. At 52, I could probably uh, maybe, maybe manage that. 90? You want me to have a kid at 90? 
God, you're off your rocker. Forget the promise. (laughs) I'm too old. I can't get up and, and nurse a child and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, who here wants to have a child at 90? I don't see any hands. <laughs> That's cuckoo. And Sarah loved the idea of having a child even at 90. She wanted that promise fulfilled even at 90 because it was different. It's different. See, these people were looking for something different. God was setting them up to have faith for something different. That's what the whole Hebrews 14 through 16 is talking about. It's you're looking for something different. What does that look like to us today? I don't know. I know that when I am not seeking God, and I'm not pressing in to him the things I want and desire. You know, I want my house to look nice. I want, you know, a nice car in the driveway, picket fence. I want to be able to get in my RV and go camping, nobody around. You know, those aren't bad things to long for, right? When I'm pressing into God, those change. Those change. When I'm pressing into God, I end up desiring for my employees to come to know him. I end up wanting miracles in one of my employees' kids that has muscular dystrophy. I really want healing there. When I'm pressing into God, I want to see my dad and my mom come to know God. Hopefully they're not watching. I do desire that. When I press in the desires that I want to see, I become different. When I'm pressing into God, my faith rises up, and I want things that are different. When I'm not pressing in, the things that I desire aren't bad things. They're not different. I, I got the honor of going with some of the leaders here up to Corvallis, and um, Seth spoke a quick little message, and I tell you, that guy, his quick little messages um, go deep. I liked it. But he spoke a message, and I'm going to steal part of it. It's out of Jeremiah 42. He's not going to put the scripture up because it's just way too long. But So I'm just going to tell you the story of what happens in this. So Israel is already kind of defeated, and there's this remnant of Judah, and they come to Jeremiah, and they're in distress because, oh gosh, I forget, I should have wrote this down. There's an army coming against them, and they're mighty and formidable, and they're starting to come, and they know it, and it's just coming against them. It's one of the regular old armies that kept coming against them. And they're like, they come to Jeremiah, and they're like, Jeremiah, what do we do? You tell us what we should do, and we will do it. You tell us what we should do, and we will, like, honor you, and we will do it. 
So Jeremiah goes away and says, okay, I will go seek for the Lord for, on your behalf, and I'll come back with you some, with some direction. So Jeremiah goes and seeks God, and he comes back after 10 days, and he says to them, you know what? Here's what you need to do. You need to stay put where I have planted you. Don't go to Egypt like you're desiring, where it looks comfortable, where it looks easy, where it looks like you'll be taken care of. Don't go to Egypt. Stay where I have planted you. This is where I will protect you. See, Egypt offered them security. Egypt said, come, come on in. We'll protect you. And God said, if you go there, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse for you. A lot of the times, we're seeking God, and we're looking at, it's easy over here, God. This is what I desire, God. I just want this. I just want what's easy over here. And God's saying, no, I planted you over here. I have a desire for you over here. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. Sometimes it's going to feel awkward. Sometimes you're going to feel out of place. Well, a lot of times you are. But this is where I've planted you. This is where I'll protect you. This is where I will be with you. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go where it's easy. Don't go where it's comfortable. Stay where I am. See, in that, it takes faith to be able to stay where God has you to stay. It takes faith. We can't do that without faith. The funny thing about faith is it's not something we conjure up on our own. We don't go... Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the grocery store, I'm going to get this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient, and I'm going to go home and I'm going to cook me up some faith. I'm just going to go manufacture it, and it's just, I'm just going to have it. I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to have faith. Faith comes, according to Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. And it only comes from you developing a relationship with him and diving in deeper. And the deeper you get, the more faith that wells up in you to accomplish what God has given you to accomplish. It's a, it's a kind of emotionary thing. You don't just go and say, I'm going to have faith to do what God wants me to do. You go to God. And he gives you desires of his own heart and then gives you the faith to be able to accomplish those desires you don't get it on your own you don't go and say i'm going to develop my faith so that i can have my ability to do what i need to do no you go to god first and he develops that chris can you come on up with the worship team The other aspect of that is in James. James declares that for by, well, James declares, but some of you will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. See, so you can't, it's not enough just to dive in to God. It's not enough just to dive into God and say, I'm just going to seek him. I'm going to have Burger King, and I'm going to have it my way, God. It's not enough just to dive in. you got to be humble. 
And then you got to ask God, how can I be of use to you, God? How can I be of use to you, God? Your faith has to show you to be different than the world. Otherwise, it's not faith. Otherwise, it's just us coming to church, raising our hand, praising God, getting goosebumps, and walking out of church and living our life. That ain't faith. That ain't faith living in worship. Faith is coming to God on Sunday and going, God, I just want you, and then leaving here and being different. That's faith. And I tell you, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself because there's a lot of times I come to church and I just like jump into worship and I praise him. I listen to the message and I go out and encourage and then I go plow through my week. I'm not changed. As we sing this last song, and this goes back to my title, What is Your Victory? As we sing this last song, you know, I don't know if I picked the right song for us to sing here. I don't, because I felt like God told me to use this song and ask Chris to play this song. And I don't know if it's the right one. I don't care because I know God is here right now. What is your victory? What, not, not what is the victory that you have of yourself or whatever. What's the victory that God has spoken to you in the past that you've either laid down because you feel like you're not good enough for it? What's the victory that, that you have desired but you haven't pursued? I know there's people in here that, that have laid things down, including myself. I know there are people in here that need a fresh renewing of faith, renewing of a vision, renewing of something that they can say, yes, God, I want to be different. I know I need that right now. Because too often I go through life not, not being different. It's too often I'm at my job, I employ people, and I am ashamed just to be different in front of the, my employees because I don't want to manipulate them. I've used those words out of my mouth. I don't want to manipulate my employees. I don't need to be afraid of being different anymore. So what is different? Look to you. And what's that victory look like that you're going to be praying for right now as we sing this song? That different victory. What does that look like? So we sing this song. Just dive into God and ask him, what is that?